One, two, three, four. Loud guys. Loud guys. Hello, welcome to Two Loud Guys. Once again, our new end of the workday edition. I thought you were going to say end of the world. Well, this would be the end of the world be. edition. It might be the end of the world edition as well. It's well, you never know. 2012. You never know when the world's going to end. Yeah. Apparently, it's supposed to end in December. Yeah. So. We'll, you know, we'll do... Sammy doesn't like the fact that we just chat in the beginning of our podcast. Why not? Because <laughs> he thinks that uh, that for somebody who's listening and expecting a show about music, and then apparently we just talk. Like, for 20 minutes about bullshit. Yep. Which isn't really quite true, because it's no. never 20 minutes that we're no. not talking about music. But for whatever amount of time in the beginning that we don't talk about music, that he thinks that would throw people off and make them not listen. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> that, so, that was basically what I said to him, yeah. too. But it's an interesting point. I don't know. <laughs> but no, see, my argument is that it, it lets you into, like, our world yeah. before we just talk yeah, about music. exactly. So I think it makes sense as well. I agree. So on that note, how have you been, Daniel? Oh, I've been awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to keep talking for 20 minutes about how awesome I am. Um, I don't know, man. I've been going to a lot of fairs. I went to fairs like two days in a row. What kind of fairs? Well, yesterday I went to Coburg, which is like a, it's a city that's like really far uh, northeast, I think. From, which one from is here. it? <laughs> North or east? <laughs> it's both of them, bro. It's both of them. What? Yeah, I know. It's, it's off the map entirely. Um, yeah, it's a small town and they have this, this like fair every month. Or, wow, every Canada Day weekend. Mm. <laughs> Which every, is monthly. Every, yes. <laughs> There's a Canada Day every month. Yeah. They, you, they, everybody just only knows about the one. Yeah. That's why, I mean, it, unless you're in Canada, and yeah. then you know about it every month. But. Even then, you have to be Illuminati. Yeah, you gotta really That's know why we on. know. Yeah, yeah. About the monthly Canada Days. Yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, so I went to this festival that was kind of like the exhibition, but like smaller. Mm. So it was like rides and games and... It was, it was, it's a waterfront festival. Well, it was a waterfront festival for Canada Day, and we always go, or Emily's, Emily always goes, because her dad's family lives up there. Hmm. So, I just Right, you're hanging out with your girlfriend's family. How yeah, a little bit. Well, I mostly just hung out with Emily. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like her dad a bit, but, like, I didn't really talk to the family all that much. Hmm. Um, yeah, had <laughs> a really interesting racist, um... Excursion, not excursion, I guess. <laughs> what <laughs> but, happened? Uh, I was just we were so we were at we were at this guy this this um her aunt's house and some woman who was there who was like not related to her at all like she didn't even know her name. Mm-hmm. They were just like watching out from the balcony and there was like a soccer game going on and uh, one of the teams was I guess made up of black people I didn't even see and then she goes like and then they were like oh what are they playing soccer and she goes yeah it's just a darky team. What? Yeah, and I was I like, whoa! Was, like, this woman must have been like in her 80s. Mi- no, middle-aged woman. That's weird. Small like, town, That's man. like the most outdated term, Fucking too. small town Ontario. Like, it's... as far as racial epitaphs, like, darkie is like something I'd expect like an 100-year-old person <laughs> to say. Yeah, it's... It was, it was really weird. It was like... And then me, How did people <laughs> respond to that? It must have been like, ooh. Pretty, I, no, everyone just sort of ignored it, and then right. me and Emily Good just course, like... what else me, do you do? And then Emily and I looked at each other, and we were like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that happened. That's, there's this guy at my work, and he's like an older guy. Uh, he, like, he's, he's probably like in his like 70s. And, uh, and he's been pulling a lot of stuff like that lately. We're like, there were like Asian people in the store, for instance. They were speaking... 
uh, I don't know what language, but you know, like I guess uh, an Asian language, let's say, or Chinese or something. And uh, and not even when they've completely left the store, but like while they're leaving the store, he was being like, "Yung Bing Chung Wong Bong Wong." Yeah, and we were all like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yes, it was super awkward, really bad, and. yeah, there were some other moments like that, but that was the big one. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the rest of the festival was cool. It was a waterfront festival, so there, there's like a beach in Coburg, like a really nice beach, so we were hanging around the beach. We took her dog out a lot. We took her dog on the beach, which was awesome, because the dog was just like fucking running around everywhere, and it was <laughs> sweet, and like terrorizing all the kids. Nice. <laughs> um, but then a lifeguard came out to us and told us that we shouldn't, like, we're not allowed to have a dog <laughs> Your dog can't terrorize kids. <laughs> Sorry. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it was it was it was pretty fun. It was a good time. Cool. Went on some rides. I went on one of those spinny rides where it's like you're not strapped into anything, but like you go inside and you're just like it's like spins. the barrel thing in Wonderland. Uh, I don't know. I've that was been my favorite. As a kid. But it just you spin. You've never so... been to Paramount Canada's Wonderland? No, I have not in a long okay. time. I still remember all the rides though. I but I guess that was a big part of my childhood. I only really liked yeah, it wasn't a big part of my childhood, and I I never you know I was never into roller coasters really. Me neither until um, like. You know, until high school. Yeah, I mostly just liked like the water park. I liked a lot. Yeah, the water park. Was and I still want to go. I, I would like to go to the water park. Well, we should go to Wild Water Kingdom. Yeah, because it's way cheaper that. than going to Wonderland right. just to use their water park. Yeah. Anyway, so it's 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 the it's the kind of ride where you're just like you're not strapped in. Wild Water Kingdom. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just do that soon. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um, yeah, you're fucking away every weekend though. Yeah, for the next few. God weekends. damn it. Seeing sweet bands. Yeah. Like it's not. We have that one weekend in July that we can maybe go, but I also might have gigs that weekend. Do you do you intern like every day of the week? Because I'm done work now. So I mean, I can... yeah, I mean, I'm interning until the end of this week, and then I'm going right to work starting mm. next week. Where are you working? I work at the the same pool that Adam's working at. Right, you work at a swimming pool. Yeah, I forgot. That's right, I do. Um, anyways, what was I talking about? Hello. Water from festival, terrorizing yeah, the children, beach. the beach. Oh yeah, spinny thing. So right. it's like it spins so fast that you like you just get stuck to the wall. Sweet. It's like real, and then you can like lift your legs up, and you just like stay on the wall. Hmm. It's fucking awesome. That's pretty. It's cool. like really cool. Uh, and scary. Uh, yeah, not really. You like roller co- like you like rides and shit. Yeah, it's scarier in theory than it would be than the feeling itself is. Like the idea that. You are actually moving at such a velocity that you don't have to be holding on to anything to be stuck to the wall. Yeah. It's really scary when you think about it. It's awesome. But it wouldn't be a scary experience. No, it's really cool. I think you'd really dig it. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, and that was, that was basically it. Pretty fun. Pretty good time. And then today we went to Ribfest. Yeah, I know. That's where we I'm were so during jealous. the day. I know. Fucking feasted on ribs. I was, I was, I was cleaning toilets. Yep, you sure were. <laughs> But it was my last day at work. Hooray! Yay! Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I was. was uh, rib fest was pretty sweet. How did it work? Is it like do they give you ribs? Like no, 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 no. You don't pay any money, and then you sort of have like this probably this thing that goes like for a while, probably like a kilometer or something. Maybe not that much. Of just like various ribs places, so there's sort of like there's like a midway, you know. There's like a couple rides and some games and stuff, but then the big attraction is this massive wall of rib places and they, they all have the same setup and like the prices are, are the same at every place and you just like choose what you want to get so we you know there were four of us so we each got from a different place and, then and traded them around yeah. um 
Yeah, had some good ribs. Then we split a blooming onion. I could go for some ribs. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it was awesome. I haven't eaten dinner. Me neither. <laughs> Let's get ribs. Okay. <laughs> um, no, so we got some ribs. We got some. We got a blooming onion, which is like that deep fried onion thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, that at, like Kelsey's or something. Yeah, and it like it wasn't great. It was kind of. I don't know. Sammy wasn't dipping it in any sauces, which was really, which seemed really bland. I don't. I get that though. Sometimes I don't like dipping my stuff in sauces either. But it's just like the, it was bland without a sauce. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's just how it was. Yeah. But anyways, uh, he's probably just stoned. Yeah, he must have been. <laughs> he was just super baked, so he was so just high. enjoying munching on it. Yeah. Um, and then we got ice cream. That was the end of the day. Cool. Oh, and we split a fucking jug of apple cider. Mm. There was a farmer's market. Apple cider's delicious. Oh, it was great apple cider. It was like homemade. Yeah. Fresh off the farm. Yeah. F-O-F. Mm-hmm. <laughs> F-O-T-F. Fuck. Yeah, but whatever you... Like acronyms, you don't need to incorporate like a word like the. You no, but sometimes you do. Sometimes you choose to. But yeah. I guess F-O-F I always choose not to, though. It's yeah. just easier. Definitely. In every situation, it's easier not to. In most of them, yes. Unless it's just entirely necessary, which it usually isn't. Um, oh yeah, one of the ribs places gave Tal, because cause it's like a contest, so you can vote. You vote after you've eaten. Oh, I see. But we actually missed, are they like, are they we like missed the voting by half an hour. Are they like restaurants that exist? Or yes, is it like... they are ribs places. I see. And they, they all sell like ribs and pulled pork sandwiches, and that's all they sell. And maybe, maybe chicken some places. And like potatoes and beans. But uh, one guy, because you vote on it, and like, you know, there are awards and different places win different awards and then they get to like post that on their massive signs um and one guy so we all got half racks but one guy gave tal a full rack and he was just like don't forget to vote (laughs) he ordered a half rack but he gave him a full one that's really funny but then by the time it was like we were gonna go vote and the fucking voting was closed so we couldn't that guy must have been pretty pissed yeah it was too bad because we all agreed that his were the best anyways Mm. so oh well (laughs) what are you gonna do it's uh, funny because the way you put that made it seem like he's so menacing. Like he's giving him the full rack of ribs and like, don't forget to vote. No, it was more like, yo, don't forget to vote. Sure. You, <laughs> you made it sound so threatening, which uh, which was a really funny image of this just kind of like this pusher. This well, what he pusher. did was he gave the guy, he gave Tal the ribs and there was a fish head in the ribs. And then he also held a knife to his throat and was like, don't forget to vote. That, yeah, that's essentially what I imagined. Right. So I, I, that's what I figured must, it must have been. Right. All right, well, I'm done with my ribs talk. You got any work talk? How do you feel being a free man? It feels weird. It doesn't feel how I expected. It feels almost bittersweet. And I think a big part of that is that, is that I, you know, because now I'm going to be just, like, on summer vacation for the next two months, doing whatever the hell I want until I go back to school. And I feel oddly empty because of that. I feel... And, and it's because... I guess I've gotten used to this structure that I've yeah. had for the last two months, even though there are most days I'm like, I don't want to work. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's how it always is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's weird knowing that that structure's gone. Oh, and that those, uh, it's so weird that you're just going to cry. You're just breaking out. No, I was tears. actually almost going to vomit. Great. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I held it in. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and you know that I, I guess I've kind of built these relationships there, sort of that are now just kind of done forever. Is also kind of weird. I don't know. You can have those people on Facebook if they're people that you. But want. I won't. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I don't add people on Facebook, and they're not going to add me probably. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. It's yeah. the end of an era. It's bittersweet. But uh, but I'm sure that 
I'll get over it pretty quickly <laughs> when I get to wake up whenever the hell I want tomorrow and not yeah. work. I mean, what's all, what's, what sucks for you is that, like, everyone is working. Like, now, yeah, when that, you're done they, work, everyone, everyone is starting started. to work. It's, except for, like, Sammy, who I guess you, you'll be hanging out with a lot. Yeah, and I'll probably be living at Eli's again. Yeah. I think I'm going to hang on to Tobacco a lot, too. Like, I miss my school friends. So, cool. So, like, I'll probably yeah. spend a lot of time there. Good stuff. Um, all right, should we talk about music? Why would we do that? I just, I just feel. Like Has it been should. twenty minutes? It's been twelve minutes. I ain't talking about no stinking music. We got eight <laughs> more minutes we of talking minutes about of, nothing. Exactly. God damn it! Eight more minutes. You can't argue with that. We'll sit here in silence for eight fucking minutes, but I ain't talking about music yet. <laughs> uh, what have you been listening to? <laughs> uh, all right. So after last week's conversation, where we talked about like pop music and radio stuff, and. You mentioned fun, and I mm-hmm. talked about how I kind of want to check it out, but didn't. I actually did check out that album, um, Some Nights, which is Fun's newest album, and I like it. Whoa! I threw a highlight. There's a phone ringing. Fuck. Shit. Tits. Okay, good. It's, okay, we're not gonna pause. Talk. Um, yeah, and I just threw a highlighter at a bass guitar. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And well, I like you know, the- that's how uh, that's how Alex Van Halen plays. He throws a highlighter. Alex Van Halen's a drummer. Michael uh, Anthony. Michael Anthony. That's how he plays bass. No, he punches it. He punches his bass. That's what he does. <laughs> That's actually true, I guess. So the highlighter joke isn't even as funny as no. what he does in real life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, no. So, Fun is a cool band. The reason why they're cool, and I can see how you wouldn't like them, because that... I don't not like I know. them. I, I just don't. hate that fucking song. That song is a bad song. song. That song is bad. Like, there's two bad songs that on. There's that song and the last song, which are both songs that I do not like at all. And yeah, they get too into that sort of poppy groove. But the rest of it is pretty cool. It's like very, you know, it's this very uh, theatrical kind of vibe. Yeah, that's what It's I sort of, for me, it feels sort of like they are the band that most people think Queen are. Hmm. Like, if people don't listen to any of Queen's albums and only listen to, like, their pop hits, and they think they're, like, this sort of, like, squeaky clean, big theatrical pop band, which they are. Yeah. At points, but they're also, like, super heavy, as we've discussed yeah. before. Very heavy and, you know, riff a lot and have a lot of crazy solos and that kind of thing. Yeah. Fun, don't. <laughs> so, fun sounds sort of like that, and the singer sort of sounds like Freddie Mercury. So it's like another one bites the dust over and over again. <laughs> yeah, except I don't like another one bites the dust, really. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but yeah, it's it's actually a really cool album. I, I think it's really good. It's very grand. Grandiose mm. is the way I would describe it. But like, Interesting. That sounds like something I should check out. Also very, like, very personal, and that's what I like about it, is that it's got this big pop, so- pop, bleh, pop sound, but then like the lyrics are quite personal. Mm. It's the, sort of the guy talking about his own experiences. Like and Third Eye Blind. His parents. He's listening to Third Eye Blind's first album. I know, I should. I it's should. So good. I mean, the listening to Weedis' first album and realizing that it wasn't good it sort of... Uh, Took me off of that that headspace, but you. you I, I don't know how Weedis and Third Eye Blind relate to one another. Just because Weedis are another like '90s pop band that yeah, have true. one really good single. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would. I Not, guess if you, you know can what, Semi Term Life is one of like my least favorite songs on that Bullshit. Album. It's a great song. But... Get out. <laughs> God damn. You know, I've been thinking about too when we were having the discussion last week, and you were saying how you know like a lot of <laughs> pop lyrics have that kind of like ambiguity and stuff. And that's true. And I think a big part of sort of like my anger was really just kind of like, you know, an emotional headspace that I was just so stuck in at the time where like 
all of this music, you know, as I kept referring it to like assembly line pop music was just really bothering me. So I was making all these criticisms that could apply to pop music that I actually kind of like. But I still feel like what the difference comes down to is that, you know, <clears throat> when an artist, for instance, like Kurt Cobain writes a lyric that happens to be really kind of ambiguous and like, you know, non-specific, you know that in his mind that means something. Yeah. Sure. Whereas when you hear it on the, like, you know, in the current top 40 landscape, you know it's just some, you know, professional songwriter's <coughs> idea of something that is going to make people believe means right. something. Yeah, I can understand that entirely. Yeah, so I guess that's really what was bothering me more than anything else, other than the fact that the songs are just shitty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like Some Nights. I think it's a pretty good record. Cool, I should uh, check it out. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you'll either really hate it or really like it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. You know, when I first heard We Are Young, I thought it was kind of an alright song. <laughs> the, the and then chorus... when the radio kept bashing into my head, I was like, yeah. God, this is just annoying. I don't like I don't like the chorus. It's too, like, anthemic. It is. I mean, it's it, way too anthemic. It's, it's very, like, ABBA. That, that chorus is very ABBA to me. Like, it sounds like ABBA with all of, like, the mm -hmm. sort of, like, high-pitched vocals and that very grand feeling. Yeah, I can see the ABBA It's got, like, a I Dancing guess. Queen kind of vibe to mm -hmm. it. Uh, yeah. And it's all, you know, it's doing that same kind of thing of, you know, creating this, like, these lyrics that are really ambiguous to sort of, like, make you think they mean so much. Yeah. And they probably don't. Yeah, but but I mean, what's what's great about the album is that most of it does. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Of course, it's repeated ad nauseum. That's yeah. the worst part. Yeah, I agree. I, I I do not like that song. Uh, I didn't even know that song was the single. And then like when I was listening to it, I, I that song came up and I was like, ah, I didn't really dig that. But for the most part, fucking phones, man. <laughs> Good. Um. So yeah, for the most part, I did think. I did. I did quite quite enjoy that album. And I also the first time I listened to that album, I went for a jog, which is a, it's a good like jogging album. Yeah, I'd imagine. Um, but it's like the sound combinations are pretty cool because it sounds like pop music. Like it sounds like that that big pop music, but it you know it's got guitars in it. It's got like not shredding necessarily, but it's got like riffs. There's like a solo. This is sounding a lot like Third Eye. There's a solo or two. Mm-hmm. It's less like it's not really like Third Eye Blind. I wouldn't say it's not. It's not as rocky as Third Eye Blind, but I guess you know Fun are a band who you can still call like an indie band, sort of, mm -hmm. and it would be fairly accurate. Yeah, well, that's sort of that's even when yeah. like they seem to be the you know one of those two crossover bands yeah. who have a song in the top forty right now, but totally sound like the sort of what I expect indie pop, quote unquote, to sound like. Yeah. Yeah, a group of are kind of like that, too. You know, a group yeah. of had that. But they don't have a top 40 hit, they? they? had one or two, yeah. Um, but, like... Itching on a Photograph was, was a Would it have been on, like, Kiss FM, though? Probably not. I mean, it was playing in, like, Old Navy. I heard I heard two group of songs in Old Navy. Mm. That could just be because, like, people there got to choose what was playing. Nah, they played the radio at Old Navy, I think. Mm. I think. Anyways, yeah. I don't know if you like that album. Ryan Adams did an Old Navy commercial a long time ago. Or maybe it was Gap. I don't know. I should stop clicking this highlighter thing because it's going through the sound. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me inhale it. Okay, great. Um, I actually... Oh, I, like I should have used it. I'm so stupid. I got my recorder, my like digital recorder thing. That's what that is. Like the, the That's what I used for like the improv stuff that I was doing. Hmm. That came um, in... Uh, how would we use it? From eBay. Well, we'd connect it to my computer and use those mics, which would probably give us better sound. 
Or is it one for each of us? Oh well, yeah, well, we could even do like there's mic inputs in there, so we could actually set it up so that we each have a mic. Cool, we gotta do that for now. Yeah, on. so next week we'll do that. We'll have a whole new sound. Whole new dynamic. sound. Yeah, it'll be it'll actually sound good. Yeah. Sound pro. It'll be pretty sweet. Neato. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what what else? What what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Hear the new Kiss song. Hell yeah. What do you think? Okay. Did you well, okay. Well, here's, okay. What did you think of the new... Because I can't... Like, as... I'm not a Kiss fan, so to yeah. me, it just, like... It's like, oh, that's a Kiss song. Mm. You know? How do yeah. you feel about it? You know, I got home last night, and I go to Sputnik Music, and I see that piece of news, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, slow down, because my brain just melted. <laughs> and was I listened from, to it. Was it from uh, a face-melting Paul Stanley solo? No, no, no. Not while listening to the song. Just right. seeing that they didn't release a song because, you know, I've been waiting for this for so long. And obviously it was completely underwhelming, as it had to be. I could have had no other reaction but, like, oh, sure. okay, it's a new Kiss song. <laughs> yeah. Because unless they had literally created the greatest song they've ever made, I would have been slightly disappointed. It just mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, I listened to it again today, and, like, it's an alright song. It rocks fine enough. And, you know, like, considering that they're old guys, it's okay. You know, I think my biggest problem with it is that it just, like, it's not really hooky enough. It doesn't really have anything to grab onto. I actually, like, I I, I also saw it, uh, I guess, last night or two nights ago whenever it was on Sputnik. And I had, like, just gotten home, and I was tired. And I listened to it for, like, two minutes, and I was like, I'm just gonna go to bed. Yeah, sure. I didn't feel like I didn't. I didn't feel like I, I didn't even buy listening to the whole to four minutes. I did once. I, and then the next day, I woke up and listened to the whole thing. Cool. Um, I listened to more of it today. I still don't think I got to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was something that struck me. Is like it's really not hooky at all. Yeah, um, and, you know, like that. I think it would have been more exciting for me had it had like an, an and it not necessarily it. like sure, but I mean like well, I don't care about that. Uh, obviously, there's a solo in it. I just mean, you know, like. Because Sonic Boom was split between songs that, and that was Kiss's last <laughs> album, was split between songs that were, you know, really kind of like solid melodic hard rock songs, and then songs that kind of like cross the line into being panderingly anthemic. Right. And like, if this song were more anthemic, it would have been more annoying, but it sh- I feel like there was a certain melodicism missing from it. So, my question to you, I guess, is like, as a Kiss fan... What are you looking for in a new Kiss album? You know, like, it's not... Because, like, I'm a Rush fan, but Rush can be depended on to, like, now at this point that, like, if you're waiting four or five years for a new Rush album, the product that you're going to get is going to be, like, pretty good and, like, stand up with their older material and probably be better than their shit from the 80s. Mm -hmm. And, like, be pretty interesting and and sort of forward their sound and and be, like, a Rush album that still sounds different from other Rush albums. Mm Mm-hmm. That was sort of the experience with Clockwork Angels, and, like, Vapor Trails was obviously a really big deal, and, um, you know, all all the albums that they've released recently have been very good and very fresh and very unique and kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. So, but as a Kiss fan, what do you, like, what do you want from a Kiss album? Oh, the same old shit. (laughs) That's that's what I'm saying. Like, do you want them to just be making, like, old school hard rock songs at this point in their career? Yes, because that's what they did on Sonic Boom, and it worked a lot better than a lot of what they have done in their career. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not by any means a great Kiss album, but it was such a shockingly solid one that it was really effective. And so, and and I expect nothing less from Monster, like in spite of the fact that this song was underwhelming, it rocked again fine enough that yeah. I expect that like I'm going to enjoy the album. Right. 
And so, yeah, I really just expect, you know, what Sonic Boom wound up sounding like is a combination of their style in the 70s with a bit of their style from the 80s. And that worked for me. So yeah. I guess I mean, that's all I song, really I mean, the new song sounds like a 70s Kiss song. Yeah. You know, it's got it's got all the tones it's and It's a stuff. little heavier than most of their 70s I guess. Stuff. The song is called Hell or Hallelujah, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's a dumb yeah, title. Yeah, dumb title. <laughs> dumb chorus. Yeah. I don't even know what But, that you know, means. they're a dumb band. It's, just, it's only expected. Especially these days, because now it's sort of like they, they are... You know, even in the 70s, they were obviously consciously dumb. Yeah. But today, they're so much more consciously dumb, and there's so much more of a wink about it all. And that's my other question. First off, what did you think of the album cover? Is it out? I, it was on, like, the YouTube clip. No, there's no way that's the cover. If that's the cover, that's, that's the cover? a shit cover. I don't know. It could be a cover. That's a dumb cover. No, it can't be because the cover is supposed to be in the style of the Destroyer cover. Okay. So it's definitely not going to be that. Okay. I mean, I thought the poses were kind of cool. No. Nah. It's a shitty look. No, that's just like a promo photo, actually. Okay, true. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? There's something else I was going to You know, they made one of the best albums of their career in 1992. They're never really topping that one today. No, <laughs> it's Revenge. Okay. And, you know, like, Gene <coughs> says Sorry. that, like, every album since then is going to be, like, a combination of Destroyer and Revenge. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay, so here's my other question. My other question is, why do Kiss still make albums? Paul Stanley. Is that why? Is yeah. Paul Stanley like... Because Gene Simmons don't give a fuck. Is, is Paul Stanley doing it because like he feels the need to make music? I think in a way, yeah. Okay. I think I think a big part of it is about reputation. It's like, you know, they reunited and they like started doing shows again. And like by making Sonic Boom, it kind of showed that like Paul Stanley forced the life back into his band because he wanted to prove or show, I guess, that they still have something to prove that like they can still rock just as hard or whatever. And that, you know... So I think that's basically what it is. He wants to kind of, like, keep the Kiss legacy going, and mm. somehow he actually is pulling it off. Because he, you know, Sonic Boom brought the best out of Gene Simmons, like, even though it's some of the worst lyrics of his career, it's still, like, surprisingly solid songs, considering some of the crap that man's written yeah. musically. Okay. Yeah. I see. So you either think there is sort of some, something of an artistic kind of thing. Because, you know, Kiss are a band... I so far as to say artistic. Like, you know, Kiss are a band that could keep... Like not release, not ever release any new albums, and just keep touring, and they exactly. would keep making money. Exactly, and they don't need more money, you know. So it's kind of exactly, like, and that's why I do believe that, you know, part of it is just ego, of course, but ego is what's always driven Kiss. Yeah. But I think Paul Stanley very sincerely cares enough to want Kiss to release good new music for their fans. Right. Cool. Um. There's one other quick Kiss question I had, asking the Kiss Master, Corey Gardner. Uh, I'm just the apprentice to Chuck Foster. That's true. He is the Kiss Master. That's very true. Uh, I can't think of anything else. What else do you listen to? Kiss. Like, what (laughs) else? I haven't been listening to Kiss at all recently. Which is maybe even part of why, like, if if I if this song come out a few weeks ago when I was more excited, it might I might have been like rocking out to it. Yeah. I think it was just the wrong time in a way. Have you uh, gotten your tickets for the Kiss show yet? No, because I still sort of have to Kiss figure show. out how my school schedule is going to turn out. That's right. a big part of it. Right. Anyways, yeah. So what else have you been listening to? I don't want to see those. Those imposters. Yes, you do. Fuck off. Nope. Yes, you do. Nah. Yes, you do, Corey. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm just, like, you do want to see Kiss. You I want to see Kiss. 
in the 70s. No, but you still want to see them. I'd even rather see Kiss in the 80s, because at least then there were no imposters. They were a real band. They just didn't have Ace and Peter. Right. You still want to see Kiss. They do the shticks. You want to see that shit live. I do, I do. Don't lie. You'll get excited when that shit comes. When, oh, yeah. You know, I will, I will. You want to see him play but the But it's tunes. still not the same. Fine. But, you know, it's you got to take what you can get. Yeah, it's true. And you have to see Kiss. You have to. I mean, I'd even, like, I'm almost more excited for Motley Crue because, like, they're so much more legitimate. Oh, right. That's why you have to see that show. Exactly. Because it's Chris and Motley Crue. Right. Motley Crue are actually the original band. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Still, Kiss Kiss. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, those imposters are on stage, but it doesn't matter because they're wearing makeup, so who cares? Well, you know, but it still obviously does something to the spirit of it. Sure. And of course, you know, <laughs> they are there out of necessity because they're the professional musicians who can pull off doing this, which Ace and Peter just weren't. But, yeah. but that's also why, like, some of the kind of, like, you know, the grit of the band is ruined without them. Right. If that band ever had grit, it was from Ace and Peter. All right. Uh, pretty much, I've been listening to nothing but the Rolling Stones. Okay. I have, like, every day I listen to a different Rolling Stones album. I'm just, like, obsessed right now. They're just the best band who ever walked the earth, period, <laughs> point blank. That's all I have to say. All right. <laughs> Great. What actually uh, made, me go back, well, made me go back to the Rolling Stones, I guess, <clears throat> is uh, Fish do a really funny 18-minute long cover of one of the Rolling Stones' disco songs, Emotional Rescue. Okay. And it's a song in which Mick Jagger sings in falsetto the whole time, and Trey sings in falsetto the whole time, and it's hysterical. And, and I always found that kind of interesting, and it made me realize that, like, you know, because for me, the Rolling Stones' career ended in 1978 when they came out with Some Girls, which was sort of, it came out during, I guess, like, the heyday of punk and stuff, and, like, a lot of their songs were sort of, like, you know, really dirty kind of hard rockers that were sort of responding to punk in a sense and like you know it had the disco song miss you which is like just like raw funky dirty awesome disco in a way that like no other band could pull off that genre of music mm -hmm. and uh and so i went and so like you know the album that came right after is emotional rescue the one with the, that title track which is you know the other big disco hit i guess and uh and i and i and so I went back to that album and the one that came after it, Tattoo You from 1981, and I realized that the Rolling Stones ended in 1981 because the two albums that came after Some Girls are really quite wonderful as well. And I just kind of, you know, always thought that it was sort of like when they were getting stale and stuff. But the fact is, you know, those two albums are really kind of like, especially Tattoo You, because Tattoo You was kind of the point where, you know, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards just kind of like, were totally at odds with each other. So Tattoo You was really put together from like leftovers from the last few years and they just kind of put it together. And then like, and after that is when it, they sort of become 80s Rolling Stones where mm. like everything is changing about them and stuff and like it becomes weaker. But uh, so like Emotional Rescue and Tattoo You still have some like real grooves and some real like soulful Rolling Stone songs to spare. And, uh, and so that kind of just got me, like, way back into them, I guess. You know, because those albums really, like, the trickling out of the material that was left over from them being in New York and during mm. Some Girls and being sort of, like, hanging out at discotheques and doing a lot of drugs and stuff. <laughs> like, and there's a song on, like, Emotional, Emotional Rescue is mostly rockers in the vein of the Some Girls kind of songs, but it has, like, two disco songs instead of one. And one of them is Emotional Rescue, which is kind of a silly song that doesn't hold up great, but it's still kind of cool and funky. But the other one's a song called Dance. 
and it's like it's so it's not as great as Miss You necessarily, <laughs> but like it, it's even tighter than Miss You and just like has this like just dirty sounding groove and it's just some of the funkiest stuff I ever heard them play. Like they just I don't know the way they incorporated funk and like R and B and stuff into their music is just incredible. It, I, like, I don't even want to try to articulate everything that makes me love the Rolling Stones so much because it's just not worth trying. They're just so wonderful. Oh, the Stones are great. Um, yeah, and Tattoo You has, like, start me up on it. <laughs> Tattoo You's interesting because it has, like, the first side is, like, rock songs and the second side is ballads. And I, they always used to sound kind of indistinguishable to, indistinguishable to me when I tried listening to it way back in the day. But, like... You know, start me up, especially because it's like this sort of like really professional arena rock version of the Rolling Stones. But the other rock songs in the album are still like really groovy and, uh, you know, in that kind of like early 70s prime Rolling Stones kind of way. And, uh, and the ballads are a lot more, you know, follow the trends of kind of like late 70s soul kind of like mm. songs. But in a really good way because it still has that... You know, I think that Rolling Stones do ballads in a way that no other rock band has ever been able to do, where they just have, like, this very particular kind of soulfulness to them that yeah, they you connect have, with so well, strongly. They have, like, yeah, Stones are one of the bands, one of the only bands where I like their ballads more than their than their other <laughs> Yeah, songs. their ballads are so powerful. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about the Stones. I mean, they sort of have... They sort of have that like laid back country kind of thing to them, and mm -hmm. I think that's what that's what makes them work is that they they almost have this like country attitude, but they are not country songs for the most part. Mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah, I guess that they really did a good job throughout their kind of like '60s when they were just playing like blues covers and stuff of really internalizing all the music that influenced them, like the blues and the country and the funk, and like you know from Beggar's Banquet on, they became brilliant at just like turning it all into their own distinct brand of kind of like, you know, I almost want to say like Americana because that's kind of what it is. It's yeah. very like roots kind of rock music. But like, you know, the only band I could think of who plays in a style that sounds anything like the Stones is like the band. And even then they both have very distinct personas. Yeah. I mean, the band is, is significantly more like Southern sounding. Yeah, I guess so. But the Stones definitely the, have a lot of that kind of... But I often think of the Stones as rock as being sort of swampy. Yeah. A bit, you know, like, it's it's Stonesy, really. That's the only way to describe it. Yeah. But the band are sort of like, they, you know, the Stones have obviously a lot of country influence and a lot of country songs, but uh, the band are sort of more, I feel like, more influenced by country. And just, You're right. I guess both of them yeah. sort of like, both of them came out of the same kind of like, rock and roll and blues influences yeah. but and they both have a lot country. of elements of country and r&b yeah whereas the band do lean a bit more toward the country and the stones lean more toward the r&b yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking the other day about how it's really interesting that like you know to me like i think of them as like the two definitive american rock bands and one is <laughs> from england the other is from canada well yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, not all of the band are from Canada. Oh, now are some of them American? No, Robbie, Robbie, uh, what's his name? Robbie Robertson's Robbie American? Robertson's Canadian. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, is Levon Hell? I, I guess I always assume that they all met in Canada, but I don't think not. so. I think Robbie Robertson is the only Canadian in that band. Hmm. I could be totally wrong. Yeah. Do you have I, anything I'd like to find out. Okay, do you have anything to talk about that we can talk about while I look this up? Um... Talk about the Stones more, go. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I just sort of wound up, like, really going back and listening to a lot of Stones stuff. And, like, I always found, you know, it's in the 60s, they were, I guess, marketed as the anti-Beatles. They're kind of this dangerous, more rocking alternative to the Beatles. 
And, like, their sound back then was so cool because they had an attitude that no other rock band had and the way they played their blues and stuff was really cool because of that. They are, in fact, from Toronto. Yeah, I I thought so, because they were all, like, young when they got together and started being a backing band and stuff, so I thought it was, like, in Toronto. Yeah. Yes, there you go. The two best American rock bands are not (laughs) Not from America. America. Yeah, I mean, the Stones especially are astounding. Yeah, like in, in the, the 60s they essentially played British blues but once well, they you get to like, Baker's Banquet they, they played it becomes the kind distinctly of, American. They sort of played the same like blues and R&B that like The Who played in their early yeah. days. Like The Who's, The Who's, The Who The Who's, The Who and The Rolling Stones in their early days have like a lot of crossover in terms of their sound. Yeah. Because they both sort of have the same influences. The Who were still a bit more Firstly, were like the Stones and their lyrics were a lot more kind of like quote unquote dangerous and like more kind of violent and misogynistic and stuff. The Who were a lot more quirky social commentators. Yeah, definitely. And the Who still had a better pop sensibility than the Stones. And that's the thing about the Stones that like I always found their early stuff boring because while it's really cool and rocking and has that sound, they didn't write. You know, firstly, most of the songs are covers anyway. Yeah. But the originals they did have, other than Not a great. few distinct singles, don't aren't really great songs. And like that's the thing, like. You know, they were so much cooler than the Beatles, but the Beatles had the better songs. But, like, the Beatles in 1969, when they broke up and kind of left this void that the Rolling Stones filled perfectly, it almost seems like the Rolling Stones took the torch from them. Because, like, you know, when the Beatles were on kind of their Let It Be phase, they were playing, you know, a very similar American-sounding kind of rootsy rock style. And the Rolling Stones seemed to just, like, continue that in their style and, like, bring it into the 70s. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. I would never, I mean, I don't know. The, the Beatles don't take that American influence as much, though definitely Let It Be has a lot of that. But that's the thing, I'm really just referring to like the end of the Beatles career where their sound was becoming a lot more like 70s rock. I don't know, I wouldn't say Abbey Road is anything like that. Only Let It Be. Not <sighs> not really anything before Let It Be. I don't even count Let It Be. Fuck that. Let, let It, it be, be totally Let counts. It Be is barely even a real Beatles Those album. Those are their last recordings. Yeah. No, they recorded those before Abbey Road. Oh yeah, that's They released true. them afterwards, but those, that was before Abbey Road was. But it's all kind of around the same time, I think. But Abbey Road, I mean, um, Let It Be was recorded first. Hmm. All that stuff was yeah, recorded first. True. Then it came up, I think after the Beatles broke up, they, they came up with Let It Be. Like, they actually released it. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Either way, it was it was definitely recorded before oh, Abbey Road Yeah, you know what? After. I guess in a way, it was kind of like... Let It Be probably came out of sort of like the same sessions that the White Album came out of, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, maybe. Well, Let It Be had the whole like movie idea behind it. Like Let It Be's were its own sessions that didn't go very well at all. Yeah, it was the Get Back sessions, right? And I guess a lot of that turned into, a lot of that really turned into the White Album and Abbey Road. That's the thing; those three albums are very interconnected in that way. I don't know. Abbey Road was fairly separate. Like Abbey Road was kind of like it they had a distinct intention stuff. of like being a band again and sort of like, yeah. you know, having this last hurrah. But a lot of those songs still came out of Did that they? era. Like what? Uh, certainly The Sweet, if nothing else. Where, like, The Sweet was all kind of, like, leftovers. Right, and okay, sure. they working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I'm not sure if it came from those sessions necessarily. I think it was, like, what people were working on sort of by themselves. Mm, and they sort of had perhaps. these little scraps and then put them together. Anyways, back to The Stones. Yeah, The Stones. Um... In terms of their pop sense, it's 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 kind of interesting because like you know I wasn't. It took both of us like a long time to get into the Stones. Yeah, I mean I always kind of um, liked them. Like I always had forty licks on CD, which is like a I good liked their singles and everything. But you I know what? What's funny them. though, actually, is that back then 
I didn't get their 70s stuff. Because 40 Licks is split into two discs, and it's the two discs of their two different labels. So the first disc is like all their 60s stuff, and their second disc is everything else, and it's right. non-chronological. Oh. So I always thought that after the 60s, the Rolling Stones started sucking, just because like the 70s disc has some 80s and 90s crap, so I never really got the 70s stuff that was in there. And so I'd only listen to the first disc, and like you know, they did have a lot of really good singles <laughs> as the '60s went on. So I always thought that was like prime Stones, right. and it wasn't kind of until I heard Exile on Main Street where I realized that the '70s is clearly their prime. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I think uh, the reason why it took me so long to get into the Stones is that they are not—they do not have the pop sensibilities that the Who or the Beatles have. Yeah. Like, you know, they obviously have those great pop songs, but yeah, like exactly, they're not nearly as hooky. Um, no. And this, for that, they're sort of harder to grab onto a little bit, mm-hmm. I, I find. Or I found. And now, yeah. obviously, the stones are fucking great. But Yeah. I think it's interesting, though, how, like, the Beatles, you know, even in the beginning, I guess, because they were so much about their pop style, sort of like, they played a sort of, you know, rough, bluesy, rock and roll style as well, but they had the songs there and the pop sensibility, so it's sort of like they found their identity pretty early on and kind of, like, grew so incredibly throughout the 60s yeah. and burned out so quickly, whereas the Stones and the Who both really kind of found their identity in the end of the 60s and beginning of the 70s rather than the Beatles, who just kind of, like, had the, you know, the sort of, like, the whole kind of spectrum that a, of a typical rock group in such a condensed period of time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all right. So, are, are we done with the Stones? I guess so. I've okay. also been listening to the other greatest rock and roll band of all time a lot, the Kiss. Ramones. Oh, yeah. Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the Ramones are sweet. Yeah, well, like, you know, because we were talking last week about, about you know, I was talking about, like, their the more pop and, stuff, yeah. and it made me decide to go back and re-listen to Road to Ruin, which I haven't listened to as a full album in a really long time, because mm. that was really where, like, that new phase of the Ramones began. I love Road to Ruin. And it's so much better than the stuff that came after. Like, they really... You know, in terms of trying to make their style, you know, more clearly showing their sort of like pop influences rather than incorporating that into their distinct punk rock style, they sort of like allowed themselves to be a bit more of a, you know, serious kind of pop group. And like, and it, you know, it never worked as well as it does on Road to Ruin. Where like, you know, End of the Century is kind of cool and has the Phil Spector thing going for it, has some good songs. And Pleasant Dreams is really bubblegummy and it's fun in that way. Road to Ruin just has like classic pop songs. Yeah, I love Road to Ruin. Yeah, I just said like I, it, I find like, it very don't come close. It's so I find it like really so difficult good. to get into their their post debut album stuff just because it sounds a lot like that first album, and so it's like right Road to Ruin. Is are, like yeah, the it's like those shit. are still good albums. But it's like, I've already heard that. Leave Home is just more of the same, though. It's gotta, you gotta love it. But that's the thing, is that those albums are more of the same, and it's like, I sort Rocket of feel... Rocket Rush is a little different. It's developing more toward right. where they were headed. But I sort of feel like, and I'll, I'll actually get into this a little bit later, but like, with the Ramones' first album, I feel like I have enough of that version of the Ramones, kind of. And then I like Road to Ruin because it's different, like it still yeah, is obviously yeah. the Ramones, yeah. but it's got that like darker sound, those kind of slower yeah, slow, songs. Yeah, they slow the tempo um, down. But it still, it still sounds like so much like the Ramones, and I think the songwriting on that album is really excellent. Yeah, it totally is. Um, it was right before Johnny and Joey started hating each yeah. other, so that's why it still worked. Yeah, so like where Leave Home and Rocket to Russia both like 
are good and I'll put them on whenever. I and I, I just don't think they're as memorable as the first the first Ramones album. I is. guess just because you grew up with the first Ramones yeah. album. Yeah, it's definitely a, a big nostalgia thing where it's yeah. like, well, I've already had this album and I've loved it for you know and it, it was ten a, years at this point or something. It's like, do I yeah. need two other albums that are kind of the same? Oh, but you so do. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Criscow said when he reviewed Leave Home when it came out that uh I just want to look it up because what he like I, I really like what he says. It's really funny. Right. So you keep talking about the Ramones. <laughs> uh, at work last week, so I told you about like this playlist system that we have. So there's this like one computer that is only used for putting playlists together for the day. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so like you sort of like survey everyone and be like, okay, what do you want to put on this playlist? And, and you can like veto things and stuff. Right. He says people who consider this a one joke band aren't going to change their minds now. People who love the joke for its power, wit, and economy will be happy to hear it twice. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, All I right. think that's a perfect way of putting the leave leave home. Anyways, yeah. So, and then I was like, okay, I want to put some Ramones on. It was, so one person asked me like she was she trying to figure out what she wanted to put on. And, like one of the person who actually works there is an intern. And she was <laughs> like, and I was she was like, what do you have on there? And I was like, oh, I got some Ramones. And she was like, okay, cool. What Ramones do you have on there? And I think I put on I put on the debut album. And she was like, do they have End of the Century on there? And I was mm. like, I don't know. I haven't listened to End of the Century. And she was like, oh, you should listen. She was like, well, your education begins now. She must have meant the so, song, though. No, That's no, no. She had the album. Oh, she liked, true. yeah, she was just like a big fan of it. Like, she mm. likes all the Ramones, but she likes yeah. End of the Century a lot. And she was like, yeah, you, you got, she was like, Phil Spector's a genius. You got to listen to End of the mm-hmm. Century. Um, so, yeah, that, that was actually on, and it sounded cool. I, 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 it was, yeah, it is cool. It's all we right. put everything on shuffle, so it's like hard to get a feel for full albums mm, yeah. that way. Yeah, it is. Um... So actually, going on the same idea of that idea of like, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm good for this sound right now, I listened to uh, Mogwai, who are one of the sort of original post, post-rock bands, hmm. one of the first that, bands to yeah. that like very grandiose, heard their name. Yeah, that, that sort of like big, long, drawn-out songs and mm-hmm. very epic sound and that kind of thing. Um, so I checked out their album, Young Team, which I think is their first album, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it's their most well-reviewed one, generally, anyways. And I took a listen to it, and it's, like, really good, but I think I'm good with post-rock. Like, I think yeah. I, I think, like, Godspeed... Well, you know, like, it's over, it's post-post-rock now. <laughs> Obviously. But, like, you know, Godspeed, you Post-rock Black Emperor... Dead. Godspeed, you Black Emperor are, like, such a dense band that have, like, so much going for them, that I feel like just between them and then, like, the sort of more electronic 65 Days of Static... I feel like I'm good with post-rock. Like, that's that's kind of all that I need. I don't feel like I need more of that sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those are, like, very dense and, and sort of... Uh, just have a lot in them. Have a lot of ideas and a lot of, like, very small moments. And, like, are albums that require repeated listens and, and, like, really focused listening and stuff to really get their full effect. And I feel like, in that way, I don't really need any more of it. Unless it does something noticeably different. Like, I talked about uh, Maybe She Will probably months ago. Yeah, I don't remember. There was this other post-rock band that I wasn't, that I didn't love, but, like, a lot of people really like them, and I think it's, for me, it's just, like, I'm done with that genre right now. I, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't, because unless you're going to do, like, more sound combinations that I haven't heard, like, what 65 Days of Static do it is they, you know... It becomes repetitive. Yeah, exactly. It becomes very repetitive. Like, 65 Days of Static work in, in, um, in tandem with Godspeed You Black Emperor, because Godspeed You Black Emperor don't really use electronics all that much, and 65 Days of Static use a lot of electronics, so it's like, mm-hmm. they're two very interesting and very different sounding bands that still use sort of similar you, forms. 
Godspeed, you seem kind of like the definitive post They sort of are. They sort of are. Um, they sort of seem like the one who anyone wanting to explore that genre yeah. should listen to. I've never been all that interested in exploring that genre. Fair enough. But if I did, yeah. I'd have to start there. I think that's totally true. And uh, I don't really feel like I need more. So, like, Young Team was a cool album, but it's like, first off, it's really long. It's like 65 minutes. Mm. Godspeed, You Black Emperors are usually under an hour. They're like, but they're like four 20 minute songs or whatever. Right. This one's like just over, which is like a little bit too long for post rock, I find a lot of the time. Sort of wears on you. <laughs> long songs and that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's a good album, but I don't really care about it. You know, I can, it's one of those things that I can appreciate it from afar and sort of, I, yeah. I don't, uh, doesn't really hit Yeah, me. I feel like sometimes when I hear something that I like, <laughs> I almost feel like because I think it sounds cool or because it sounds good or because it sounds different or whatever that like i have to there it has to therefore be something that i am like into or whatever but it doesn't really work that way because no matter how good i think something sounds or how much i enjoy it while i listen to it it you know it is the exception not the rule that i'm going to have an emotional connection to it that will make me revisit it ever again absolutely um, and speaking about dense albums, I listened to, uh, I mean, I've listened to it before, but I listened to Dr. Octagon's, Octagon's Dr. Octagon. Dr. Octagon. Octagon. Dr. Octagon. Dr. Octagon. Dr. which, uh, is uh, like, funny. Uh, I love that album. It's really good. Yeah, it's pretty uh, crazy stuff. So what I did was I skipped the first couple tracks, because I knew that stuff pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, the first few tracks. I started from, uh, I started from Blue Flowers, I think, which mm. is, like, the seventh track, and listened yeah. to it sort of at the end. I think DJ Shadow produced that one. Did he? Oh, no, he produced, like, a remix. Of well, there's one at the end where it's Blue Flowers Right, revisited. that was 1977. Yeah, there's Blue Flowers Revisited, but that's, yeah, DJ Shadow produced, like, another a okay. remix. Uh, yeah, and that's, I really like that album. That guy is just, like, his flow is so weird, and the his tracks are weird. so weird, and his lyrics are so weird, and the way he sort of, like, puts together, it's, it's, it's got, like, this, like, grindhouse kind of vibe to it, you know? Like, it's all, like, it's yeah. all, like, him being creepy, yeah. and, you know, there's one song where he's, like, basically... Or maybe it's a skit or something where he is basically, like, trying to have sex with one of his patients and, like, pretty much rapes her. Right. And it's like... Yeah, because that's what, that's what Dr. Art is Yeah, exactly. Dr. Art is just, like, this very weird sort of um, absurd and extreme doctor. Yeah, it's kind of like this, like, horror sci-fi vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I think it's, yeah, it's, I interesting think it's a really, really neat Do you album. know kind of, like, the story of, like... Of Cool Keith beyond that album? I mean, I know that um, he had, like, some record label problems after that album, that they released a second one that was, like, not that he didn't want to release. Mm-hmm. And then he, he released, what, Dr. John after it? Dr. Doom. Do- Dr. Doom? Was after Dr. Octagon? Yeah. Okay. It's really interesting, actually, because, uh, firstly, Cool Keith has been around since the 80s. Like, he was in this yeah. group called the Ultramagnetic MCs who were, like, who created... Easily one of the best old school hip hop albums ever, and a big part of that was because even then he had a kind of wacky persona and a weird, unique flow. But you know, he was still kind of like an old school rapper with some really weird lyrics. But uh, you know, so then he sort of like came out, you know, as Doctor Octagon and you know reinvented himself in a similar way to MF Doom and Shabazz yeah. Palaces and other interesting characters like that in hip hop. And but then Dr. Octagon became really kind of popular, you know, with, like, rock critics yeah. and the alternative, quote-unquote, kind of crowds. And uh, and he kind of wasn't really into that, I guess, mostly because he was sort of, like, against the record labels and stuff. 
and uh, didn't really like the way he felt he was being presented or whatever. So the whole idea behind Doctor Doom is that he wanted to get back to like his street kind of roots and whatever. And that album starts with. Oh, Doctor Octagon dies, right? Like yeah, he kills Doctor Doom Octagon. kills Doctor Octagon. Yeah, and then the album plays out, and it's like the beats are really dense and hardcore and weird, but like lyrically and flow wise, he's on an even like weirder level than Doctor Octagon. Where like he doesn't even bother to rhyme half the time. <laughs> he's just like he's just talking about like all his problems with the music industry and stuff, and like you know, it's. It's a less of a kind of cohesive listen than Dr. Octagon, but in so many ways for me as a hip-hop fan and a fan of hip-hop that criticizes hip-hop, it's even more brilliant. Yeah, I should I should really check it out. I probably Yeah, it's it. called um, First Come, First Serve. It has a hilarious album cover, too, that's like a parody of like all those like assembly line, no limit kind of album covers that you don't maybe know what I'm talking about, but you would really. recognize if you saw like Master P album covers and like, and they're just like... And it, like, uh, Cash Money album covers also looked kind of like that. Like, just, like, so many crappy dime a dozen gangster rap albums from the South or have this style of album cover. Right. And, like, he made, like, a parody one of it that has all this, like, you know, grotesque imagery on it. All right. It's funny stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing with Dr. Octagon is that it's too long, like a lot yeah. of hip-hop albums. Again, like, another album that's, like, just over an hour. Or maybe it's just under an hour, I forget. But, like, just an album that's too long. And, you know, what's always really interesting to me about hip-hop is the way, like, it's a constant problem that hip-hop albums are too long. Mm -hmm. Like, well, since The Chronic, really. I guess. Like, The Chronic really changed the way hip-hop albums were presented. and Yeah. What is that? I don't know. Even before then, though, like I was surprised recently <laughs> to realize that Slick Rick's first album is like almost an hour long, and that's well, even crazy. like Three Feet High and Rising is almost an that hour. That one's too long, but you know, De La Soul is Dead is like the one that warrants its running time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, exactly. Three Feet High and Rising was a bit too long. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and you know, I feel like as as a as a generally a rock and music with guitars kind of fan, mm -hmm. um, that was always my problem getting into hip hop albums was that they were always too long and like. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that that happens because the hip-hop albums are also ones where, like, the ideas are the most densely packed, you know? Like, one song of hip-hop, just by way of, like, the complexity of the lyrics, you can read and analyze one hip-hop song for such a long time. There's so many, like, little things. And yeah, for Little sure. references to other things and, like, oh, that's an interesting rhythmic thing that he's doing over there. And, like, yeah. it's, you know, it's more than a rock song, I think. Like, the, the amount of ideas... Per uh, per capita, especially when you think higher. about like you know like the members of the Wu Tang who are always incorporating like really weird like obscure kind of you know five percent nations uh, philosophies and stuff that would just totally go over your head if you don't know that's what they're talking about. Yeah, and, yeah, it's very dense. And so it's way. interesting that like that those albums happen to be always too long, mm -hmm. you know. And that's always why, like, that's always the main thing going for Illmatic because that's like the one hip hop classic yeah, that's like a still, half hour long. Still gotta do that. I, I, you know what? I'll probably get it th this week just because. Uh, so what's been happening is that I've been going. I've been doing transit a lot. I've been in transit. I'm in transit like more than two hours every day because mm -hmm. I've been going downtown and back every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and I only have like four podcasts that I listen to, and so eventually those run out. Like near the end of the week, those run out. So it's like, so the reason why I started listening to Dr. Octagon was like, well, what's a hip hop album that I like have on here that isn't Gravediggers or Wu-Tang Clan? Yeah. You know, like an album that I haven't um, checked out as much as I should probably. And because I think hip hop albums are good to, because they're like good as the only thing you're doing on the subway. You know, it's like. You, yeah, because, because it gives you something yeah. to like, 
to focus, focus on. on. Even yeah. like with rock music, no matter how close they am listening to the lyrics and the grooves and stuff, my mind wonders. Whereas with hip hop, my mind will wonder less because I'm listening yeah. so close. And it's also because you're yeah, listening to someone about the lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so so you know, this week might be the week for Illmatic. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah, I should probably do it. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got for this week. For this thing, you got anything else? Mm. No, I've literally been listening to nothing but the Rolling Stones. Okay. Like the only way that I can stop myself from listening to the Rolling Stones most of the time is by putting on the Ramones. Right. So it's just you're just you're just in the R's, I guess, at this point. Yeah, I guess so. Um, all right, cool. Uh, do you have any news? I have some news, not a lot. Really, my only news is the new Kiss song. I read a kind of funny story today, though. That apparently, uh, somebody offered, uh, Gillette offered, like, Billy Gibbons and, uh, the other guy in ZZ Top wears a big beard to, like, to shave their beards for, like, a million dollars for this advertising campaign for Gillette. A million dollars? Yeah, and, you know, they obviously refused to do it. Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) Don't let the man tell you to shave your beard. Yeah. You know, and he was talking about how, like, it would just be so wrong. Like, he couldn't look in the mirror and see a clean face. Yeah, because you got to sure think, like, first been, like, off. decades since they yeah. shaved. I mean, think about how long their beards are now. Like, their beards go down to, like, their fucking knees. Yeah. And, like, it must take so long. Like, it must take years to grow a beard that long. Yeah. So you already have, like, your work there. Like, you have to not shave for, like, five years or something. And I guess they already had those beards in the 70s. So I guess they sort of, like, they must maintain them. They must trim them. But... They must. They must do something <laughs> to it. Otherwise, it'd get too wild. Uh, but, like, the biggest thing is, like, you must totally forget what you even look like without a beard when you have yeah, a beard for, for that sure. long. Even I, you know, like, I've had this beard that I'm wearing right now for, like, a month, and I still kind of forget what I look like behind it. Yeah, like I, I just shaved over the weekend. Yeah, as you watched. Yeah, <laughs> as I witnessed in yeah. person. Yeah, um, you know, and it was kind of you know you kind of look at yourself and you're like, oh, oh there I am. Look at my face. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's also nice feeling, you know, when you have mystique to yourself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess so. That's the ultimate mystique you can exactly. have. Exactly. That's like the coolest you can be. Exactly. When <laughs> you don't even know anymore. <laughs> you look in the mirror you're like, who are you? Who are you really? Who's the man behind the beard? I gotta know. Yeah. Let me have sex with you. <laughs> I just have an urge. I just, man, wow. That face. <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah. Did you know that the one member of ZZ Top who doesn't have a it's beard... Is Mike Beard, yeah. Is Mike Beard. That's yeah. the funniest That's thing. That's the ultimate irony of ZZ Top. It's really great. Um, I really appreciate I was actually... It. Someone put on ZZ Top at a playlist at work with the greatest hits. New ZZ Top or old? No, it was like the greatest hits. And I decided I do not like ZZ Top. Yeah, I always want to get into them because like, like in them. theory they're such a cool band, but I don't like their music. I don't like them at all. Yeah. I really don't. And they're pretty up my alley. I don't understand why I don't like them. I think one day maybe yeah. I will like them. All their songs kind of sound the same. They're yeah, like, yeah. Their songs aren't they that, do. Most of their songs aren't that catchy. Yeah. They're like good songs for driving and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, they just have such a cool attitude, though. They're such a, you know. Yeah, the beards. The beards. <laughs> the beards. <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool how they had a massive success turning their hard rock style into new wave in the 80s without alienating their fan base. They're the only band who did that. Like what? 
I think, like, Tush is, like, the big hit. Tush. Oh, yeah. You know, like, that's, like, a new wave song. And, like, they had, like, a whole album. Like, Eliminator was, like, their new wave album. Mm-hmm. And, like, hard rock fans still love that album. Oh, the other thing that came on during a playlist at work was uh, Hysteria. Mm-hmm. Which I also don't like. I Def Leppard are a really good singles band, not yeah. an album band. I, just, I don't... I can't take the Def Leppard sound. I can't take it. Their early stuff was a lot more raw than Hysteria. Like, Hysteria is when they became a big pop band right, and when they okay. created the hard rock version of Thriller, as they said they right. set out to do. So it's sort of like, you know, when they were a new wave of British heavy metal band, they were pretty cool. I just can't... T- it's like too... But I really like Hysteria. The song's Too many Hysteria. fucking gated drums. Yeah, and for sure. Too arena rock. I, sure. I can't take it. I can't handle that sound. I just can't. Yeah, I just can't. You know, I know like, a big part of it is that, like, that sound appealed to me so much in high school that obviously it... You know, it's it holds a certain nostalgia. So yeah. when I hear it today, it still sounds kind of good. Yeah. Um, all right, so news. Um, Serge Tankian's new album is streaming right now. Really? Which one? It's called uh, Harakiri. Is that just like his rock album then? I guess. Because he was doing like four different albums, right? Yeah, I, I guess it is. I don't know. It's his third album. Uh, I don't know. It sounds... Um, you know, I listened to the first like one or two tracks of it because the stream link was right there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty, it's like, it's okay. It's kind of cool. Like, Good. Serge, I want him to release Serge, you know, Serge as a vocalist will always be cool. Yeah, He course. just has a cool voice. Of course he's a um, good, he is a good rock vocalist. But, uh, it's still, it, it sounds less System of a Downy. It's still there. The tones are still there, but it doesn't just sound like System of a Down anymore. That's like, good. it doesn't just sound like bad System of a Down. So, I actually kind of want to listen to the rest of it because, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It sounds all right. Sweet. Yeah. Still like metal sort of hard rock kind of stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, his, his charisma sort of overdoes it. And I feel like the music matches his charisma as a vocalist a little better. Mm, yeah. So that's the first piece that I got. Uh, that album, by the way. So you can, I'll, I'll put the link up to that stream now. And that album, I think, is out now. Yeah. That. Oh, no, that album comes out next Monday. Hmm. So very soon, very soon. Uh, there was a, uh, a a a report of Gautia's. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? Gautia. I don't Gautia. Know. I, I never bothered to read the name enough to figure it out. <laughs> Fair enough. So CNN, like this is. I, CNN. You know what? I just read the name and just like in my mind, I just say Gaiuti. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the end of it. Well, for me, it comes off as uh, Game of the Year edition. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Because like every time a video is game Gotia comes out, one per. I thought that Gotia was like the name of a band. No, I think they are a band, but but the members. He is the Gotia. main guy. Yeah. That's actually really interesting because that leads into something that I really want to talk about, but finish this first. Okay, so apparently there was a report that he shot, that he, like, committed suicide, which was totally false. Um, oh, I guess he's just somebody that I used to know. Ah! I never knew him. Never knew him at all. <clears throat> Some guy that I never knew. Never nude. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, <laughs> never I find it odd that, like... Does, so apparently the reason why this happened, and this was reported on this CNN. This happened on the internet all the day. I know, this time. was on CNN, like a real news network, you know? And uh, They reported that he was dead? Yeah. That's fucked up. Um, <laughs> so apparently CNN has a social network for news because, okay, so what's happened with news networks now is that with Twitter and everything, like, news doesn't break from news outlets anymore. Like, it breaks on Twitter right. from just, like, people hearing about it. It's like a faster, it's a faster feedback loop, you know? <laughs> Um, so I guess what CNN has now is a thing called CNN iReport, where they have these members that sign up and, like, post stories. It's like a social network 
news site. They, I, I, mean, I feel like you have to have some credentials to do it. Like, you can't just be a regular person. But, uh, yeah, one fraudulent member apparently posted the story, and then moderators pulled it down, like, minutes after, but it was like CNN had already reported it, <laughs> which is crazy. Weird way, man. That's that's a pretty uh, good uh, indication that maybe this isn't the right way to do your news. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things that's uh, it's and like next week it might be Barack Obama. <laughs> we're just in. We're I such, don't think the president. We're in such a for flux a of flux state in the first world right now that it's like new things are coming up and they just haven't been ironed out yet. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's. It's a good idea in theory. Gets your gets you your news faster and gets them the news faster. It makes their jobs easier and it makes our news more more or less reliable depending on who you would ask, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's just it's hard to work that out and make it make it work. Mm-hmm. I guess. Well, so what was the thing you were going to talk about? Yeah. So what this makes me think of was something that I actually wanted to talk about weeks ago, but there wasn't really time in the episode. I said I'd talk about it next week, but I just kind of never did end up talking about it. Right. And uh, so with the story, where I will start this is uh, is that that week uh, I found a piece of news where it was the, you know, I guess the 40th anniversary of David Bowie's album Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars was being celebrated. And the producer was talking about the album. And he was talking about how the guitarist of that band, Mick Ronson, Mick Rosnan, I don't know, Mick Ronson. <laughs> who, uh, Ron Swanson? He said that he, uh, the producer's talking about how he didn't have the ego for superstardom, and that was why it's sort of, you don't really, nobody really knows his name. He's not, like, remembered as, like, a great rock guitarist, which right. he was. And, and that happened to relate directly to something I was thinking a lot about at that very time, which is bands who I consider to be forgotten bands because they're overshadowed by the name of their front person. Mm -hmm. Which, in this case, you know, David Bowie and the Spiders from Mars. Nobody remembers the Spiders from Mars because they were just David Bowie's band. So everybody remembers David Bowie. I was thinking about them, and I was thinking about the Mothers (laughs) of Invention, who get completely overshadowed by Frank Zappa. And I was thinking about Alice Cooper, who were a band, who were a great rock band, who get overshadowed by the fact that you know, their front man had the same Cooper. name is Alice Cooper. Uh, I also, I, I do think that Frank Zappa's musicians get quite a lot of credit, though. Like, they do. Maybe not in the Mothers of Invention years, but, but especially the in the 70s, like, Frank Zappa's musicians are well-known people. Like, For sure. Because he is a sort of musician. But again, musician. when you, you know, when you talk about, like, kind of, you know, for instance, classic bands of the psychedelic era, nobody ever thinks to mention the Mothers of Invention, who were... A classic band of yeah, that era, yeah. and you know, and I was also thinking the other day, like Dio was on the radio, and I was like, "That's another one." Dio, the band, gets overshadowed by Dio, the man, mm. and uh, you know, and even to a lesser extent, like the Jimi Hendrix Experience or Bob Marley and the Whalers. You know, it's just like it's really interesting to me the way that like these are bands who uh, time has forgotten in a sense, just because you mean the bands themselves, like, exactly, you know, yeah, like. Like, the Spiders from Mars was the main one I was thinking about, and so, like, it was the one that bothered me the most and just got me thinking about all these other examples. Um, I mean, I think when you're talking about someone like Alice Cooper or Dio, I think that's, like, a purposeful thing, you know? Like, it's the idea that you're supposed to be paying attention to the main guy. Like With Dio, yes, because Dio was clear the star of the show. He was already, like, a front man in his own right who was well-known in yeah. metal. But with Alice Cooper, it was more that, like, that was totally the name of a band, 
and it was also the name of the front man, and he was the character you were paying attention to, but it was totally the name of the band. And if the band hadn't broken up and Alice Cooper hadn't continued using that name, then I think their story would be considerably different. They'd be remembered as one of the great hard rock bands rather than people remembering the man Alice Cooper. I think Cooper. the point of, like, that's the person you should be focusing on is very important. Like, mm-hmm. um, of the idea of, like, you are paying attention to Alice Cooper's himself. Mm-hmm. Like, you're only paying attention to his stage antics and what he is doing on stage... And you shouldn't be paying attention to the band members. Like I think that's on purpose. I think it's like it's it's like drawing your direction of your eyes or your ears or whatever to the main person. And that makes a lot of sense. And even you know, in the case of David Bowie, it makes sense. Like you know, clearly Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars was a concept album, and it was about the ego of a frontman yeah. and the way his band. You know, so obviously it was very intentional. You know, the song Ziggy Stardust explicitly is about that very thing of the band sort of being pushed to the side yeah. and stuff, but you know, it still ultimately has the effect of bands who I consider to be, like, you know, great, important bands being kind of not given their dues because they're just remembered as the bands who played with this famous singer. Right. And I don't know, that was just, like, bugging me at the time. And and, and that it, this made me think of it because of, if this guy is named Guti, 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 but Game so is his edition. band, it's kind of like the same thing happening again today. I guess so. Again, the Spiders from Mars is the one that bothers me the most, because it's like, you know, they were only around for a few years releasing albums with David Bowie, but, like, the four albums that they recorded with him are, like, you know, some of the greatest rock albums ever made, and David Bowie couldn't have done it without having the Spiders from Mars, who were, like, a stellar rock band who did, like, a lot of interesting kind of things, especially not, on a lot of You know, he's not discounting... The Spider Shamar. He's like, not. Yeah. That's not well, the, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. problem. It has nothing to do with him. And again, clearly it's kind of intentional that they were David Bowie and the Spiders from Mars. But it's that now we don't talk about the Spiders from Mars. Right. And so nobody, unless you're a fan of David Bowie, you don't realize that like <laughs> that was his band and that that meant something because they haven't played together since, yeah. you know, 1974. And, and another thing that makes me think of is uh, going back to like, the phenomena of crappy covers albums. Uh, this the last Spiders from Mars album was a covers album called Pinups, and you know they were such a great, unique band, and their covers album was such garbage. And just like you know the year or before when they released Aladdin Sane, they did an amazing cover of the Rolling Stones' Let's Spend the Night Together. And that's the weirdest thing to me when bands who do make great covers like Guns N' Roses, make crappy cover albums. That is weird. It's really weird. It's because I think I think the reason why is that they're writing it and like they're writing those covers in the same time that they're writing their original. So they have that sort of creativity so going. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you're just, just recording a covers album, you're just focusing on covers, you don't have any of like your own material that is sort of like pushing your creative mind forward. I guess so, so and I guess like Let's Spend the Night songs. Together does have that same kind of like, you know, aw- you know, unique you know, stones filtered through the Spiders from Mars kind of sensibility that Aladdin Sane had. And, like, that's why that song, you know, rocked way harder than the Stones' original version. And then, like, you know, but I'd like to, you know, pinup should sonically be similar to the that style, but instead it kind of just sounds like the band was totally tired, which I guess they were, and that's why they were about to break up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I was thinking of another crappy covers album... That was that shouldn't have been bad, but I can't remember what it is anymore. But at least Sexton Blake revived my faith in, yeah, no, I, in I, the I, possibilities I of cover albums. I did not listen to that album. Yeah, you gotta get it. Yeah, I probably should. It's sweet. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, I have one other piece of news that I just thought was funny. So we, this, yeah, I don't give a fuck about any of this stuff. No, I know, but this is funny. I, Chris Brown and Drake have been offered a million dollars to fight at a boxing match. Right, I, yeah, I did hear that. That is kind of funny, but I didn't bother. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit it. about the actual conflict. Right, of course. I just thought that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> That's kind of all I have, really. It would be really funny if that happens. I would love that to happen. So that's uh, a boxing promoter named Damon, Damon Feldman, who is a celebrity boxing promoter. Has offered them a million dollars. They probably don't even know how to box. What? Yeah, of course they don't know. No, that's why it'd be funny because it'd be them like watching people who don't know how to box box is hilarious because it's just them like really badly imitating what they think boxers really poorly moving around the ring and like throwing these like really lazy punches. (laughs) It's like it's pretty funny. And I don't I don't box, so I'm I'm sure I would look just as funny in a boxing ring. But it's just like you can tell. I've watched I've watched my share of Rocky movies and I know what a boxing match looks like. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's all I got. I just thought that was pretty funny. So, do you have anything else to say, Corey? Um, do you have any last words, punk? I kind of, like I want to talk about Chuck Klosterman, but I think I'll just wait until I finish the book. Yeah, you should. You should. It's because... hard too. Like it's so dense. Like it's so difficult to even. Like I don't even know what I want to say about it. But I just want to talk about it because it's there's so many interesting ideas. So it's all right. So think about it. I mean, oh, you won't be here next week, but then oh, uh, you won't hear. Will you be? Well, we'll be. I'll be able to record though at some point next will week. You? I don't know. Like I'm either back Sunday or Monday. I think you're back Monday. Okay. Well, then we can like record Tuesday night or Wednesday. I guess Monday. so. We just have to have a delayed episode. I was gonna yeah. have Sammy in for one of the episodes. Oh, that'd be cool too. Yeah, you could do that. So it's up to you. Would you would you rather him do next week or no, the week I'm saying, after? I'm saying do an episode. You, you want to do next week or the week after? Because you're gonna be away both weekends, right? Mm, yeah, I guess I'll figure out what the schedule's like, and then and then we'll talk. Okay, so for d- 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 July second, this has been Two Loud Guys. You can check out links to the stuff that we talk about at twoloudguys.blogspot.com. You can email us your questions or comments or what have you at twoloudguys at gmail.com. Um, my name's Daniel Korn. Man, you're ruining my outro. Come on. My name is Corey. Corey what? X. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, next week, tune in. We may have a special guest who we've already said who it is, and we may not. (laughs) Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so, we will catch you next week. One, two, three, four. That's good. You sounded like Didi Ramone. That's what I was trying to do. Nice. Yeah. Did you listen to the song I put out there? Did you listen to Warthog? Warthog. Yeah, it was one of the Ramone songs I posted this week. No, it was the one I did that not Didi said. I don't even. I didn't. How? How else do you know what he sounds like? I mean, I just was trying to do a Ramone's voice. Because mm. that sounded specifically like Didi and not like Joey. Mm. All right. So yeah, see you next week.